What's up guys, welcome to episode 7 of Dream Chasing 101 podcast. Today we have a guest um, from the sunny side of Leeds um, and she is quite the adventure-seeking creative. Um, but I'll just leave it up to Rachel to tell us about what she does and, and yeah, go for it, Rach. Hi, um, so I still feel like I'm quite new to my journey. Um, I'm pretty outdoorsy. I went freelance a couple of years ago and I do quite a lot of outdoors photography and also videography, which came in a bit later. Uh, I'm very into climbing, uh, mostly, and I've just got a mountain bike, so I'm probably going to start getting into more mountain bike adventure sports uh, stuff in that regard. But um, kind of my main passion and hopefully my career path will be going down doing um, like adventure shorts with maybe an environmental spin or kind of telling the stories that of people who are underrepresented um, because as we know the outdoors is uh, very underrepresented um, just you know when you look at brands and you know anything like that it's just it's all very much the same that you see so kind of my aim is to go down that route of telling people stories in the UK mostly um, yeah yeah that's kind of what I do and what I want to do and you say you're quite um this is you still quite early in your journey. Um, mm-hmm. A question I like to ask is when you were around, you know, the 15, 16 year old mark, when you start thinking about what you want to do in the future, is this kind of where you saw yourself or is this something you just kind of stumbled into? Am I allowed to say both? <laughs> because <laughs> It's a bit complicated. Um, I think when I was about 15, 16, I really wanted to be a travel writer um and like a travel journalist so not kind of like oh the best places to stay and it was more so like te- telling stories around the world and that's really what I wanted to do um studied English at university like a lot of people do and then just come out with a useless degree <laughs> and then I just kind of accidentally just fell into lots of different jobs that were completely unrelated um like a lot of people do so I kind of lived abroad for a few years uh, teaching as a lot of people do and I was a manager of a school which was really weird um, manager of a retail shop and I kind of like really strayed from that path of wanting to be a journalist uh, and then it kind of came full circle um, a couple of years ago when I picked up a camera and thought ah I really like this and I think I'm good at it and then I realized that I could actually put my words and photographs and video kind of have them all as a complete package um but yeah so so it's kind of yes I knew but at the same time it's transformed and it was accidental and with the the camera falling into your hand as I think that would be a nice term falling into the hand um where did you kind of pick up the the knowledge you know the various um, settings and all the stuff that you need to learn in order to operate a camera did you um, do most of the learning via YouTube or or reading books um, or yeah or did you do a, a, um, a, a short course or anything of that sort so mostly by just messing up like <laughs> I would take my camera everywhere like to a point where it was annoying for everybody <laughs> and I, I would use manual but like I never used <laughs> like like auto but I would not know what any of it meant I'd be like I didn't understand what ISO was I didn't so I'd like proper like bump it up and then it'd be grainy um but yeah literally and I didn't understand that people could be able to have these three numbers and be able to just know 
I didn't understand how that was possible, but then now I can. I can look at a scene and go, okay, yeah, it's probably yeah. going to be this, this, and this. Um, but to me, that just seemed alien. But it was literally just taking my camera everywhere I went. When I went into town to go do some shopping, I'd have my camera. And I would capture everything. And yeah, I literally just did it by making mistakes and a bit of YouTube, um, I would say, but not much. It was more just, I learned by doing. So okay. I, you know, very kinesthetic learner. Yeah. So I, I struggle to kind of just watch something and then know. If I'm watching something, I have to be do, like doing following it. it, pausing it, doing it. Um, yeah, that's just my learning style. Okay. And uh, when, or I, sh- I should ask, how long ago was this that you kind of found out that photography can be, you know, that factor that you can use to become what you wanted to be when you were younger, the travel writer kind of thing? I'd say about two, two years ago, or like mm, two and a half, three years ago. Um, it was actually my ex-partner. <laughs> who, um, <laughs> so that's kind of a story, like, shall I say this? My boyfriend's over there. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, uh, it's fine. He he was a videographer actually, um, and he was like, "I'll oh, just have a play," and I was like, "Ooh," and yeah, that that was how it was. Yeah, but it was only a few years ago, so I still feel I always feel like I'm behind, and I know I shouldn't feel like that. That I'm 27, and I'm like, "Oh God, that person's 18, and they're so good. <laughs> I need to catch up." Um, yeah, so so relatively new, I think, I'd say. And with the outdoor uh, photography community, do you think or do you feel sometimes when you chat to another photographer that when you tell your story of kind of how you got into it and they find out that you didn't, you know, for instance, study photography or take classes and pay for a course that they kind of look at you a different way like, oh, you know, she just picked up a camera and, you know, she just takes pictures kind of thing. Do you ever feel like that's a factor? No, but maybe they are thinking it in their heads. Like um, a lot of the people that I've um, come across, I think it's more so people who are more experienced in the outdoors community. It's less to do with your educational background and it's actually more to do with your integration into the community. Um, so, you know, there's one there's one guy who lives in Leeds um, and he's a really prominent climbing photographer and he has been a climber since he was like a child. And I think actually more so in that kind of community, I think that's more important. So I even feel behind in that because I'm like, oh, I'm recent. I'm quite new to climbing as well. So, yeah, it's interesting where the biases might come um, in different communities. I think maybe in the more technical, if you did more commercial work, perhaps, um, or something like that, then maybe those biases would come with education. But I think in the outdoors community, I think it's more who you know and how long you've been in the community. Yeah, it's quite a, a strange thing because I shoot um, a lot of golf, so sports photography, and mm-hmm. the general consensus is like you have this young um, kid. Well, I say young, I'm 24. But um, compared to the guys who I'm entering the, the room with, it's like they obviously double my age sometimes or close to double. And it's kind of this thing of, you know, I've been around here yeah, longer than you you know, I know what I'm doing and mm-hmm. you still need to learn kind of. And sometimes I feel like that kind of pushes people away from the the creative community. It's because it's always like, I know bit, you know, it's always like a competition, which it shouldn't be. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, art is subjective. You know what I mean? 
Oh, massively. And I mean, I struggle with that as well, like that I, that idea of competition. And I, I'm guilty of it all the time <laughs> of like comparing myself and then thinking, yeah, yeah. oh, well, if that this person gets the job, then I'm not going to get like as if there's not enough to go around. Yeah. Which there is. But if it often you compare yourself, especially if someone looks to be more successful than you are, even if they're further along in their journey, you, it, you can't help but compare and compete. But it is not a good way to look at things you have to stop yourself you have to go like, when you start feeling that way you have to go right now bring it back don't but be competitive i think i think like being from from that perspective like thinking in your head like internal thinking like you want to kind of be the best and you you see someone who you think is successful i think it, it's it's okay in this you know within its confinement of like as long as you're not um putting yourself down and you're using it as a motivational kind of factor that's fine but what i find is when you know people are vocal about it in a kind of toxic way i think that's like when you just you know you don't even know what to say you're just trying to think why would you be so worried about what i'm doing versus what you're doing kind of thing but um yeah yeah, I think that might be in like different industries as well. Yeah. Maybe the, and I think the wedding industry oh, yeah. might have more of that because there's there's a lot more people who have been doing it such a long time who now feel they and they might have like old old style kind of photography. You know, like wedding photography how it used to be in the nineties. It's very different to what it is now. <laughs> uh. Um so again the, there is that kind of um feeling maybe amongst like more experienced photographers that they're not getting as much work because their work is now fallen out of fashion and if they haven't caught like kept up with what people want um yeah it's complicated I think and cultural as well actually um I think like when I so I lived in Thailand for two years and I ended up being the principal of a school (laughs) don't know how that happened it was really weird um I, I did a good job but a lot of the I was only 21 at the time and a lot of the other time <laughs> to be fair actually I look at it and I'm like yeah I was too young um but a lot of in you know in Thai culture it's very like hierarchical in regard to age um so I there's a lot of um people saying like this is this is ridiculous like I should be principal because I'm older and it would be quite you know and yeah they were probably right actually <laughs> but but yeah it's it's in the UK it's not as I mean, it is a problem, but it's not as much as a problem or a not even a problem. I don't think that's the right word. Um, it's not as much part of the culture. And kind of tying tying into this, um, what made you start your own kind of business instead of, you know, maybe working with a uh, travel agent, or not travel agency, but a travel um publication or something of that sort what kind of made you start your own business and kind of build your own brand I really I mm, good question um I think (laughs) I'm trying to word it so I don't sound like um (laughs) because I know the answer I'm just trying to word it uh I don't really like being told what to do okay um uh not in the way like if I'm if I need guidance or or if someone has guidance for me I'm happy to listen I'm happy to follow but it I don't like being micromanaged um, and I think that sometimes I've been in jobs where I've been micromanaged and and also some of my best hours can be at about 3am so sometimes it can be really hard to find a job that can accommodate that flexibility 
Um, so I think I just realised, you know what, I work so much better on my own schedule. Like some weeks I'll work 100 hour week and then others I'll work 20 hours. <laughs> and I, but I think, that, I think that that works best for me because of my motivation and how I work. Um, and if I was to kind of tie myself to one company, they might not get the best out of me because one week they'll be like, wow, you've done so much. And the next week they'll be like, hey, it's lacking. <laughs> so, so I think that's the main reason, really. Um, and just the freedom, if, if it's a good climbing day, you know, if it's, there's amazing snow in Scotland and I want to go winter climbing. like You don't have to ask the go. boss. <laughs> yeah, right. I can just go and go climb because I don't know if you know anything about snow in Scotland, but it's very temperamental. <laughs> so if you've got a good day it's like you go you go out and do it yeah 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 i find like with the in the creative community because i am kind of in the same boat as you with photography and video um but more in the sports kind of um sector but it's like when you are creative you obviously have your i think like the way we think and what the product looks like is very much you know, the way we want to see it, especially if it's like, for instance, your pictures or your video being used and you have someone who's not a creative who's managing you and they don't see that vision. And then it's kind of just like, you know, butting heads the whole time and they just, they just don't get it, but you definitely get it. Or you think you do. I suppose that's what it feels like. Um, but yeah, it's just like they don't see your vision. I think that's one of the main things. Um, the, guest I had on the podcast last week, he said um, that he felt like he was working to make someone else's dreams come true. Because, you know, you work so hard when you're uh, creative. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, that's we, a really good point. Yeah. Like a really good point. I just feel like, uh, especially when it's not a creative person you're working with, they just undermine like the work that goes into it. And I think that's one of the reasons yeah, and they don't realize the work that goes into yeah. it as well like then they say okay you just make that little change and like re-export it in every single pla- social platform and you're like sure you know that's not like a, a one minute job just so you know like yeah this isn't it's a... gonna take a while to export this you know <laughs> this isn't a, a little canva or um a little instagram export going on here where you just click yeah. save and yeah. it's done um but yeah i think that's kind of uh, I don't know. I think that's just a general consensus amongst the creative community is just having that freedom to express yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And freedom to express and freedom to climb. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never find me climbing anything. Well, if you come to the UK sometime, (laughs) I'll take you up some like some nice stuff. I don't. Easy stuff. Yeah. If you say so. I'm not that good at climbing. I'm just going to say that. So like, I'm always going up like the fun stuff that looks nice, but isn't that difficult. <laughs> looks nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you say is your vision for your, I mean, you kind of explained your vision for your business, but where you are now and where you want to be in kind of the five year period, like what do you think you need to do to kind of make that vision a reality? Or, or what do you think the steps are? that you need to um, accomplish? I actually had on my big whiteboard, which is above me, (laughs) all the steps I had to accomplish (laughs) for a five-year goal. And then it had five years. I've wiped it off during lockdown because I was like, too much pressure. Um, uh, A lot. There's a lot that needs to be done, so it is overwhelming. Um, It's difficult because I'm quite ambitious uh, to where I want to be. Like, 
I eventually would like to purely just be making short films and documentaries. But at the moment, obviously, I have to do commercial work and brand work and all that to be able to survive. And then the short films are more at the moment personal projects. So, but that's that's fine. So I think I've spent the last two years learning and I've been making lots of like silly short things to do with me and my own experience, but I never wanted to really be the star of my like of the camera. Like it, it was more just necessity to make films about my own experience because I was the only person available. Um, so, I mean, I've got quite a few projects in the pipeline at the moment that are going to be short films and documentaries focused on other people, um, which is the goal. Um, yeah, and I mean, I've got, I've had a five-year goal of getting into a specific festival, film festival okay. in the UK, which is an outdoors film festival. So, uh, I, that was supposed to be this year, but the whole event was, uh, my documentary film was cancelled because of COVID. Yeah. Which is really sad, uh, but you know what? Loads of people have had projects cancelled and that's just life. Um, so, yeah, I think in regard to... I need to make more money to be able to fund my projects, which means I have to start pitching because I'm really bad at that and I don't pitch. So that's just something I have to do. Um, and, yeah, I just basically have to follow through on the plans that I've got um, for short films going ahead. So it it sound, doesn't sound like that much, but it is a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the avenue you kind of going down is very, um, because like you say, the, the outdoor community isn't uh, as well recognized, like the opportunities are that much harder to find. So as you say, you need to work just as hard just to kind of fund your own projects. Um, but would you say for the outsider who doesn't know anything about what you do and if they stumble on, upon your Instagram page and your work, would you kind of put yourself in the same kind of uh, realm as a travel, you know, like those travel, I don't want to say influencer. I don't like the word influencer, but... That's fine. You could use the word influencer. Yeah. Uh, do you... No. No, you're not. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I think that's... So I've actually just... I'm currently recording a series which is basically from the start of going freelance to the steps I've taken to being where I am now. Cause especially cause there's not that many women, uh, like kind of outdoors photographers and videographers, um, who have a, who have videos about what they do. I mean, they're out there, but there's not many that have videos about what they do. Um, and to maybe have something from the start of the journey of like, this is where I'm messing up. This is what I'm struggling with rather than this is what I did 10 years ago. This is what I, so I'm kind of starting a series like that, um, that kind of talks about that. And sorry, I'm really roundabout. No, but no, go for I discussed I, I discuss that whole issue with the influencer industry. Not, not that it's a problem or a bad thing, but I still don't really know how to navigate approaching brands and approaching work from a freelancer perspective, because why would they hire me and pay me when, when they, they could go to an influencer... <laughs> um who maybe they also pay the influencer but they also get this huge platform as well so yeah and a lot of the the people that I speak to who are already established they got established five or ten years ago so their advice on how to start is now a bit 
moot. Yeah. It's not really like, valid anymore. Yeah, it's not valid anymore. So, and then anyone that I know that is in this industry now and successful, they have loads of followers. So, I I don't know that many people who are in the same position as me. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to look for those people and then also kind of present myself as one of those people to others and say this is where I am. This is yeah. what I'm struggling with, and and what what can we do? Because um, I still don't really know. Like approaching brands is really difficult because of that reason. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of get the same thing. Um, even in the sports industry, it's like um, you, for instance, in in golf, uh, you don't find a lot of like professional golfers getting sponsorships, but you'll find an influencer who isn't even in the golf world full time and make trying to make a living off of it, but because they have that huge following the brand sees it more fit to give him you know product and maybe even pay him because they get that platform so it's it's kind of like relatable in all avenues now where the the numbers of you know how many followers you have and your reach is kind of more important than um what you i suppose who you are <laughs> like in real life yeah 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 i yeah i agree with that and i think that also the issue is that so many influencers are incredibly talented yes <laughs> um, like i don't i don't know in other spheres but especially in the outdoor space like some videographer influencers who kind of do both they're amazing so yeah. how could like how how do you even compete with that they're actually better than you are <laughs> and they've got a bigger platform um but yeah, I mean, obviously not in all cases, you know, you see people with sponsors and you're like, that photography is not good. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, it's, it, it's not something I'm complaining about because it's just something that is. It's, it's a challenge. Like, that. Yeah. It's a challenge to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no point in whining about it. Yeah. yeah. At all. <laughs> you just have to think, okay, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to adapt? Because there is work out there for people, for freelancers. It's just um you have to finding it find it yeah yeah what would you say are some of the misconceptions with your area um of work and kind of like the 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 genre of work you do do you think or have you come across anyone that's kind of had a misconception about what you do and how it's done i would say well this might apply to like again all kind of video yeah, yeah. photography but just maybe how easy it is perhaps or like for example like camera kit is very heavy <laughs> i don't know don't know if you've ever had the you know the 7200 yeah <laughs> especially back, if you, you, you have know, like the mark one <laughs> like, if you have the older versions those things are just as heavy oh i've i've got the mark two oh, okay. um, but but i mean that's still heavy enough no, you know um and like I remember I did my uh, did a job in Peru last year, which is like still the best job I've ever had. Still haven't had one as cool. Um, but you know, I like hiked it. It was like five thousand meters, so it was like quite thin air, um, and I had everything. I had like two cameras. I had a drone. I had the drone batteries. I had the seventy two hundred. And I was just like, I actually lost my drone at that point. I found it again, but it was a stressful, stressful day. Um, but yeah, like hiked up this mountain, just like you know, I need to get my fitness up. And that was like the one, not the one, but one of the lessons I took back from my Peru trip was I need to get fitter. Um, because like, if you're running around the mountains or you're like following people who are athletes, then 
you got to you got to be, be an athlete. <laughs> you got to be an athlete yeah, yourself. You got to be an athlete. Um, so I've actually started running during lockdown, like everybody else. Um, <laughs> but like, but that's one of the reasons. Like, I'm doing it because I know that I need, and I've got um, I've got an injury actually. Like, I struggle to walk sometimes because of my ankle. I've got to completely messed up ankle from a climbing injury. Um, so I've got to kind of work past that as well um, and strengthen that. So I'm like the fittest. So I can follow people with all the stuff on my back. Um, so I think maybe that's the one misconception that people might have. Even, do you know, when people think influencers have it easy um, in that regard, they think, oh, these travel influence, influencers just swan around, taking pictures and getting paid. And I think, you know what, it probably is actually quite difficult in some ways, you know, like if they're carrying all this heavy kit, like, I don't know what, everyone's different, but it might not be as easy and effortless as it sounds. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, most things it's like that you just put up on Instagram. It's just the post. You don't see the the kind of the behind the scenes. And I think that's why people are also so fascinated with like behind the scenes videos and stuff, just to see like all the work that actually goes in. Like that's really taken off in the filmmaking videography space um, is showing the behind the scenes. I think that helps people just kind of realize, you know, that it's not easy at all, like to get the lighting, to get everything right. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's ignorance as well. You know what I mean? They think it's just, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not malice. It's just yeah. like not knowing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, one of, one of my videos from Peru is about the, what of there's a mountain biking part and, um, I'm mountain biking with them. The whole point of my job was that I was integrated into the group. Yeah. Uh, which made it, which is great, but it also made it really hard because I had to do all the activities they were doing, but also capture it. So at one point, like I'm mountain biking with them all day and I'm having to cycle ahead as fast as I can, fling myself <laughs> off my bike, get my camera out my bag and then lie on the floor to wait for them oh, to go geez. past. And I've got, I've got a GoPro on so you can see all of that. Um, like because so, so i've got a behind the scenes of that just and one of the photos uh ended up in a few uh like in forbes and stuff which is really cool um but like i'm literally lying on the floor when i'm t- when i took that photo like covered in dust oh my um, and it, i mean i love that i thrive on that but um it's kind of yeah it's interesting to see that that behind the scenes stuff um yeah it'd be nice to do more of that i think i don't really do that very much i'm bad at posting on youtube i'm not very good youtuber <laughs> I think I at the beginning of lockdown I was I was like you know I'm gonna go and try and upload as much on YouTube as I can and I mean I'm a golf YouTuber and yeah I was mistaken <laughs> I think I've, I haven't uploaded it I think I've uploaded one video I yeah I watched your, your latest one where you were talking about kind of the you know the recent um events and kind of how you should feel um, during this, mm. you know, not being as productive or feeling like you're not being productive. Um, and yeah, that I think that's kind of the video that kind of we can all relate to because we all feel like we should be doing more. <laughs> but I'm literally yeah. like stuck. Especially if we have free time. Exactly. Like, oh. And now you're stuck yeah. in bed for like, I mean, I used to get, I used to survive on like four or five hours of sleep and now it's like eight hours of sleep. And it's... Good. Get that sleep. <laughs> but but the thing is, like, now I, I feel like I'm not getting... I'm not doing... Well, I, I am not doing anything because I have no jobs. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, you just feel like you should be doing something productive, but there's nothing to do. But you still feel that guilt um, regardless. Yeah, you think, well, maybe I should do this. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wanted to make videos during lockdown. And I shot so much footage, like so much footage. But then I thought, I just lost interest to create the story because I thought, I don't see the value in this story. Like, I'm very, I've been very privileged during lockdown. Um, you know, I managed to get a grant from the government, like... I've got a roof over my head. I, and I, I just thought, I don't really see the point in making a video about my experience. Yeah. It doesn't feel that important. And I'm sure everyone will be like, oh, but everything's important. But I'm like, yeah, but yeah. I'm the kind of person, you know, I, I've spent this whole time like worrying about like people who are struggling and like, why would I then be like, oh, so here's me in lockdown <laughs> doing yoga in the morning. Or like, Do you know what I mean? It's just, who cares? No. <laughs> like, I think it's the the whole idea of like providing value and if you don't feel like you're going to, you know, provide that value, then it's kind of like counterproductive in a way. Yeah. Don't just force a video out just because you think you have to make one. And I think that's also kind of in our sphere, it's like being a creative, you're always pressured because everyone else is like putting out so much stuff right now and you're just there like, oh, (laughs) what am I doing? I haven't posted in five days. People are going to forget yeah. about me. Yeah, like, people are going to not know I exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. What has been the biggest struggle for you now concer- uh, concerning your business um, during this period? I, I know you said you have that, your documentary cancelled, but from the normal day-to-day, the stuff that kind of provides, you know, food and, and the expenses, what, how has that affected you? Well, I've pretty much lost all my work, so um, so I'm kind of going to be okay, I think, till the end of this month because of the government grant that I got, um, and I think they're extending it for another two months, if but at a lower rate, so in that regard, like financially, I hope I'm going to be okay for the next couple of months, and I think I am, just because I'm really lucky. Um, I've got a full month of salary, uh, not uh, a full year of salary that I had um for the taxable year last year so that's what they based it on um so I got a, an okay grant um in regard to just like finding work again yeah I think I'm I'm good and I've never been very good at finding work to be honest a lot of my work has come to me it's come through people recommending me it's um which is it's a nice feeling but at the same time um it's not always going to be good. like that no, it's not, yeah. and uh, it, and you should never rely on that. And I, I have pretty much the entire time that I've been a freelancer. <laughs> so, um, just because I'm like I'm quite shy, I don't like being rejected. Um, so I'm not very good at the business side, which is like really important. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you know what? Maybe that that this will be the point where I'm like, well, I have to get, I have to stop being scared, and not necessarily just not being scared, but I need to learn how to pitch to outdoors brands specifically or you know i do do other work that isn't just outdoor stuff that pays the bills so i need i have to do more of that yeah you know bite the bullet you know it doesn't have to always be your dream job yeah exactly if you have to make money you have to make money and i was actually about to ask you um what other work do you do i mean it may not be like you say the outdoor stuff but what other projects have you been involved with and and other kind of projects that you've done so I have done 
well obviously a lot stopped now but in the past like writing okay. um so like blog writing even if it's like boring stuff like <laughs> I, and I, I do love writing um so yeah I've done some writing projects um I've done like portrait like headshots um like photography um for like small businesses and stuff like that um I do try and stay away from that kind of thing because it's draining i have done weddings in the past but i've like i put a very solid stop to them last year um was it this year last no last year um i did my last wedding because i just i got an, like anxiety like weeks before a wedding because i and i always had a really good time on the day i'm not yeah. like I, and I, the photos were amazing like not like they're, I, they're amazing no the photos were good um but the clients like the photos um but I really I'm too anxious I think to be a wedding photographer um I'm always too worried that I'm gonna mess it up so but I don't think I'll go back to doing weddings because it just stresses me out too much but yeah I'll just have to do some other stuff I've actually looked at starting to do some writing work again um so I've um, signed up to a patreon um like writing website that gives tells you a load of jobs um so yeah and I'm happy to do that because it it still is creative um but I, I mean I did think about applying to the local supermarket when all of the starters to like stack shelves because they needed extra people because like everyone was panic buying um but then I thought I realized I was going to get a government grant and I was like I'm not going to take a job like that someone will actually need because they're not eligible for support for whatever reason so I just decided to like I'll just stay home and I'll I to be fair I've been quite busy like trying to do like bits and bobs and projects so um just not much paid stuff yeah <laughs> just fine like my, my friend sent me a t-shirt from his new clothing brand and was like hey can you take some photos I was like yeah I'm gonna make such a thing out of this <laughs> um, uh. yeah so I'm worried I've really rambled onto this question I'm sorry no 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 <laughs> yeah more valid um yeah yeah um but yeah, it's going to be scary, but just have to try, make some money. I think um, kind of post lockdown and quarantine and all the other restricting factors, I think it's going to be tough, but and in the same way, it might be an opportunity because now businesses need to kind of get out their brand again. or So it's like... It's going to come down to just finding it, I guess. Yeah, and I think in the outdoor space, there is maybe a unique opportunity because for travel, yeah, because a lot of people are not going to be able to travel internationally for a long time, especially because I think UK is going to be on like the list of banned countries <laughs> because our cases and deaths are still too high, you know. Other countries are going to be like, no, you can't come here. You're going to bring COVID back. Um, so I think there's going to be a big space for UK tourism, which means that, yeah, UK based brands or like holiday homes or whatever might need video, um, and photography. So I think that that's something I should probably be starting on now, but it's so hard when you're just so like, I'm just so worried about COVID constantly. Um, it's really hard to be like, okay, let's make some money when all I'm like, oh, what if people die and what if more people die and um protests and you know racism and like there's just so many like other, other things going on in my head that aren't they're nothing to do with me surviving as a freelancer yeah um so yeah weird hard to navigate i think 
Yeah, it's tough to kind of follow up this question. <laughs> after <Sorry>. all that. <laughs> um, going on to kind of your past work, what would you say has been the best place you've visited or have done work in or brand that you've Definitely. worked with? I mean, there's so many things I can ask. Um, but yeah, let's start off with best, best location that you've done work on. Had to be Peru. Peru. <laughs> it's yeah. always going to be Peru. Um it's going to take a long time to be that job because um, it was like well paid. I actually managed to upsell as well at the end um, because I, which was really cool. Yeah. I, like I wasn't thinking I'm going to upsell, but <laughs> I was like scheduled to like work eight days um, for like eight hours a day. But the trip was like 12 days and I worked every day, dawn till dusk, past dusk. Um, so I could also shoot some video because I was only supposed to do photography. Um but I did extra, and then at the end they were like, hey, can we buy your footage? It's really cool. And I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> um, but, it, yeah, it was just a, it was like a massive holiday, basically, <laughs> as a job. Um, but, I mean, it was hard work because, like like I said, like carrying everything and yeah. hiking and always being on it to try Trying and find to capture, photos. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, we went to Machu Picchu, um, and it was an absolute nightmare for photography because it was a really foggy day and it was raining. So yeah, um, that's not really ideal. Be- yeah, no, it was beautiful. Like I like I almost cried because I was looking at it and I was just like, it's so pretty and foggy. <laughs> Do you know when it's just really atmospheric? Yeah. But from a photographer point of view, it's I was really... like. <laughs> and they were all so miserable. The group was so miserable because they were soaking and they'd gone on this massive hike and. Yeah, and I was like, smile, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, look like they didn't look use any happy. of my Machu Picchu photos. Yeah, <laughs> on the website, they didn't use any of my photos from Machu Picchu, um, which I did, which is fine because it didn't look like fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, Peru was an experience that I will not forget for a long time. And I do talk about it too much, I think. Um, how do you not <laughs> when you've just had, you've had such a cool job? And yeah, um, I think it, ta- it taught me a lot as well, though. Like, it taught me that I need to get a new lens because uh, I had two cameras at the time. Well, I still have two cameras at the time because I'm still holding out and not buying the 24 to 70. Um, but I had the 70 to 200 and I've got the 16 to 35. So you have a big gap. So, yeah, so, and and just like, just having both cameras and like, yeah. What, what and camera the, my, brands, my, what cameras do you have? Canon. Uh, Canon, yeah. And my wide, my wide angle is only f4. Um, okay. Which is like fine, but sometimes if you want to get that nice dreamy look, then mm. you just yeah. But yeah, so even just when it comes to kit, like actually I had too much kit, but and I didn't have the right kit for that kind of job anyway. Um, to be able to get those shots like close yeah. up, um, and wide. So yeah, just it yeah taught me a lot, and it was just really pretty as well. We went like everywhere. Went to like the Amazon. Never been to the Amazon before. Like, I've never been to South America before, and like. Yeah, I'd never even thought about going to Peru, and I, now I want to go back because really beautiful place. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, there's not even a question. Yeah, Peru. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then going into your gear. So you say you have two cameras. What cameras are they? Are they full frame APS-C? Yeah. So I've got the. Um, so I started with the Canon sixty Mark II, um, which is. Fine for photography, not good for, for video. video. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, 
it kind of, it was okay to begin with, but I'd just like be looking at my screen and I'd be like, it just doesn't look crispy. It just doesn't look right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look crispy. Um, so I upgraded to the 5D Mark IV. I forgot for a second. Yeah, IV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last year. Um, again, great camera, but I wonder whether I would have gone to... I started with Canon, and I think that's why I carried on with Canon. Um, and they're great cameras, but they're a bit heavy. Yeah. For what I do specifically. Um, I've been looking at Sony a lot, but I don't know. I would, I can't, unless I like become extremely rich, <laughs> I won't be upgrading or changing my, uh, uh, setup. And you know what? It's a really good setup, but, um, yeah, I've got like the, I'm trying to look at what I've got. I've got a video lens, which is like, okay for like my own stuff. Um, yeah, sorry, I won't go through everything I've got, but, um, <laughs> Canon. Canon. And Canon. have you thought about going mirrorless? Mm-hmm. Even if it's just, even if it's just the body? Just, just for the weight, yeah. Yeah. I really did think about that. Um, just, yeah, because it does get heavy, especially as I want to start doing more climbing stuff. So, for, for me to be able to do climbing photography, I have a lot of climbing kit I have to take. Um, which is really heavy, like ropes and everything and, and camera kit. Um, so it's just like how you have to balance that weight. Um, so, and it, yeah, maybe in the future. And also like Canon have not been saying much in the recent times. Yeah. We and that's that. really irritated me. Yeah. yeah, I did see that. And, and Sony have. So obviously that's not the only, re- but like I saw that recently and I thought, you know what, why do I have so much Canon kit? I kind of like got really annoyed about it. Um, and obviously like but, everyone's been excited for their new camera that's going to launch, I think in July. Yes. So it's, it's going to be like a very, um, uneasy kind of, unless they say something quite soon. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to lose a lot of fanatics about them. I think, to be honest, like I thought about get like think I thought about that camera, and then I realized that I'd probably need a new editing setup before I got that camera because <laughs> I don't know if my computer would, uh, my Mac would deal with um, the files from like what is it? Do they have four K one hundred fps or something on it? I can't remember. Um, it's something like that. Four K one twenty. Yeah, four K one twenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what I do don't you... think my laptop could deal with that. What do you edit on MacBook? Yeah, so I've got a refurbished MacBook 2015. Um, so it's it's actually fine. It's quite good for editing. Um, yeah. But I don't... Sometimes with 4K files, it can be a bit like... Yeah, it's a bit of a... Um, so I know for a fact if I had that camera and I had like 4K 120 FPS, it'd probably just be like... <laughs> nah, um, but I love it. I love being able to edit on the go and that's really important for yeah. me to have that. So, I mean, eventually I probably should will have a desktop as well but i always need a laptop because um like we're currently about to get a van okay um so so i can actually edit on the go literally yeah literally on the go um (laughs) but yeah i'm gonna need a lap uh, a laptop for that because otherwise (laughs) difficult (laughs) what is in the past what has kept you busier was it more photo gigs or videography work have you seen like a trend especially in your space has there been more of at at the moment i would say for me personally it's been 
photo. Okay. Um, I think that not not that photos more popular in the like the outdoor space anyway. I think that more so like I don't think I'm established enough as a videographer. Um, and to be honest, like I still don't have a show reel. <laughs> it's not finished. It, I started it a year ago. And every time I sit down to edit it, I just burst into tears. No, okay, I don't burst into tears. <laughs> but I literally have a meltdown because I'm just like, I can't, like, I can't deal with the pressure of making something that represents who I am. Just one thing, you know? So I, I'll get there eventually. Um, but I think that does hold me back uh, when it comes to video. Whereas photography you can just be like, hey, this is my portfolio. You can even, sh- I think... Yeah, I think I got the Prue job mostly from my Instagram. Like, I think having a website helped, but I think they saw my Instagram and, like, it serves as a portfolio in itself for photography. Um, whereas video is a bit more... I think there was other people that they could go to for video at this point um, until I feel more established. Or until I am... That might just be me just being imposter well, syndrome. Yeah, or, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> or, it, or it'll be until you kind of just learn to sell better i guess like you say like you've said yeah. earlier just selling the yourself your product your videography yeah 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 <laughs> no yeah i totally understand what you said yeah yeah i think that's a good point and like learning to sell is so important i think that's why i decided to one of the reasons why i decided to make this youtube series because i want to talk about that a lot so other people who feel like me will be like, oh, okay, people aren't just naturally good at selling. Um, they're still working out how to, how to do it and what works and what works in the current climate as well. Like obviously, even now with COVID, the current the climate is different to how we sell. We have maybe be more sensitive, think about the businesses we're approaching, maybe have a look at how they're doing online. Like maybe they're struggling. There's going to be some businesses that especially the travel ones right now, like maybe they're not ready to talk to someone about advertising for six months time because they're worried they're not even going to be able to be afloat in six months time. So like, how do you navigate that as well? And I think that's (laughs) like, it it comes with, you know, I mean, this, obviously this situation, no one could have prepared for, like, this is just... Mm -hmm. I mean, no one. I mean, apart from the preppers on <laughs> on the in America, <laughs> underground bunkers. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to detract from your point. <laughs> um, Carry on. But yeah, I mean, no one really knows how to kind of get back to business as usual. I mean, it's not going to be business as usual. But the fact is, like, you just don't know how to approach anyone really it's like we forgot yeah. how to talk to other humans um <laughs> i know when i came on this podcast i was like oh my god <laughs> i can have to talk to someone social interaction what is that <laughs> i mean i'm an introvert anyway so it's not actually been that much different from me actually <laughs> i I've, i was actually but um a couple of years ago before i started my youtube channel it was like you have to overcome this it's such a strong fear of like looking at yourself on screen and hearing your voice and once you overcome that it's kind of I don't want to sound like it's liberating but it's definitely a confidence booster because then everything kind of changes the way you see yourself um you're not I as can't wait. I can't wait for that day <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the strange thing is that I can talk to my Instagram like on Instagram stories yeah. all day long 
love it. I can't and do just that. Be like, hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, I can do that. But put like set up a camera, like sit down. Ugh, <laughs> it stresses me out. Um, and I'm trying to do more of it. Like as you can see, my recent yeah. video is like completely different to anything I've done before. Um, and I want to do more of that, but. Oh, it's really scary. I could, yeah, so I can't wait for that liberated feel. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely not the, the Instagram live setup. Oh, I've never done Instagram live. Like, I, well, I, want, for... I want the chance to be able to delete and start again, just in case I mess up. Well, it's also like the fear of just one person watching you and then you just see that number just go from one to zero and you're just like, okay, no one's yeah, watching me. <laughs> Yeah, that maybe that's the reason I haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just going into the last few topics, what advice? Um, I know your series is kind of gonna cover this, but what advice would you have for up and coming creatives in the outdoor space? Um, if you could give like a shorter version, because I don't want you to give your content away for your series. But oh, it's fine. Who knows when the series is going to be out? Because I know what I'm like. <laughs> I would say like what I've learned is. So I first started going to like try to do like traditional marketing, uh, not marketing. Sorry, traditional like networking and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it might get you jobs, but it's not going to get you the outdoors jobs because like people in the outdoors industry aren't hanging around at networking events. Um, I think that if you want to be in the outdoor space, then I would assume that your personal life is also in the outdoor space. So, you know, just be part of the community. Like if you've got friends who surf or whatever they do, then, you know, even if it's just with a GoPro, you know, there's a guy, he's called Chris. Oh, I can't remember his name. I'll try and remember and send it to you. Um, and he basically is an ambassador for GoPro and he's really successful and he just uses a GoPro um, for all his work. And yeah, so even if you're, you know, got a GoPro and you've got one of those like underwater domes and you play around in the water and you create content with your friends, I think that's probably going to be the best way. And I wish I'd done more of that and actually published it because I've taken so much video of my friends climbing and doing stuff, but haven't done anything with it. Um, so yeah, so actually just practice with your friends or if you don't have friends there's meet like there's meetup groups no it's not like that like no, but no, like if you move sure. to a new city or something yeah. you know um you know there's meetup groups like i met my climbing friends through a meetup group because i'd moved cities um so yeah i would say just create an outdoors community first shoot a load of personal stuff but it could be polished it can be like you could tag the brands who are in it like even if it's not for them um, but uh, this comes into the influencers of yeah. Instagram world, doesn't it? Like, oh, it's hard. Um, maybe this is bad advice. <laughs> no, no, I think it. it no, it, no, I think it makes sense. And yeah. have a community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I think it, it's all about the community and who you know, which is the same for everywhere, I guess. Yeah. Um, Did you ever offer up um, free free work? Um, Work, yeah. Yes, I should have. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, and I've learned like what not to do and what to do in that regard. Um, if you don't have a contract, at, even with free work, at least have something written down where everything's on your terms. Like you're doing it for free. It has to benefit your portfolio. Like I made the mistake of doing free work for businesses that weren't outdoorsy businesses. Um, 
like a vegan milk company, um, which is like fine, but like, cause I was like, oh, I want to help some ethical companies. So I, I wanted to do a nice thing, but actually that didn't really help my portfolio cause it was milk. <laughs> um, so, and also like, if you're going to have a, one round of revisions, you know, so everything has to be on your terms. Um, I would say, obviously they have to like what you've created for them uh, and want to use it. Um, but I would avoid it if people reach out to you for free work. That's my personal advice, because if someone is asking you for free work, then it probably means that they don't really respect you. Um, and yeah, I don't know. All my experiences of people asking me for things have not gone down very well. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> Just, that... it feels like they want to take advantage yeah. of me. Um, whereas if you say, OK, I want to work with this person now, whatever, clothing brand or whatever I'll do this thing for free this is what you get in this is you get one round of revisions and everything is and then you have something great for your showreel or portfolio or whatever and it's all on your terms so I think that's I have nothing against free work I think it's important to give yourself experience without the pressure of thinking oh my god I'm getting paid and I have to do a perfect job like at least you have that freedom to like mess up a bit like if it's free yeah exactly <laughs> It doesn't have to be as yeah. perfect as as your paid work, but I mean, it still has to yeah. kind of encompass what you can do. Cause yeah, it has to represent yeah, your, your talents. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And going back to just if someone is an up-and-coming uh, outdoor photographer, so specifically what you do, and you mm -hmm. mentioned not having the right gear for, you know, for that job in Peru, what would you say is like the base kind of lens setup? Because I think that's more important than the body. So if yeah, you, I agree. If you give like, I would say a two lens combo, what would you end up choosing? I suppose that's kind of tough. Let's it's, make it's really hard. Yeah, let's like make it a three a three lens a three lens combo. I was just gonna go with the one lens, the twenty four to seventy two okay. point eight. Bam. Um, like, well, just because it is pricey, um, but like I've been looking at, I still haven't bought one because I'm like, no, Rach, until you get your first like really well-paid job after COVID, then you can buy it because um, I'm trying to be good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm going to buy a pretty, not a banged up one, but I don't mind if my lenses have scratches, not on the lens themselves, but yeah, I don't yeah. mind if they're a bit banged up because like I bang my gear up because I'm always like scraping across rocks and exactly. stuff. Um, so, yeah, you can get them for, you know, under a thousand pounds, which is a lot. It's a big investment. Don't get me wrong. And you can do a lot with the GoPro, you know. Uh, but obviously, if you were to do, if you work for a travel brand. Um, you want to have that. Yeah, I would say that one lens. Okay. Like, would be great. I think I would have survived fine with that one lens. I mean, the 7200 is always going to be the most beautiful lens in the whole world. Um <laughs> But also the Nifty 50. Oh, I don't know, actually. Oh, it's hard. The Nifty 50 is also really good. And that's quite cheap as well. It's affordable. Yeah. yeah, it's really cheap. And you can get that really dreamy look with it. Like, I've got the 1.8. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't even answer your question. This... <laughs> I think the... What is... I know a lot of people say gear is not important, and it is not. It depends what you're creating. Like I said, you can create amazing stuff with a GoPro. Um, I have not even tapped into my own GoPro really um but 
yeah, I think having that range of um, focal lengths is really important, especially if you're doing something for a travel brand and you need to get a range of shots. Yeah. Mm. See, yeah, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you're going to need something that a zoom lens, I would say. Or two lenses that covers. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> uh, I'm not, can you tell I'm not really a gearhead? Y- yes and no. Like, I, I am a little bit, yeah. but at the same time, like, I, I just love making things. I love creating things. And lenses are cool, but... I'll I'll do whatever I can with what I've got. Yeah. Like, That's kind of how I feel. I've kind of um I'm very much on YouTube and you know follow the the creatives so you're even if you look at it like the tech YouTubers and the camera and yeah. photography those kind of people and I've I've become I don't want to say obsessed but I'm so informed so it's like yeah. I can just talk about it and talk about it. And then I suppose that's what also irritates the older guys when I do enter the same room. It's just like, gear, gear, gear. But it's not... It's like, to... shut up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's not to the, the, the point of where it's always trying to have the best gear. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, you're just informed enough to make a decision of like what to use in what situation kind of thing um i think that's important though like i got like that about audio recently so i had loads of issues with my audio in my videos i don't know if you watched any of the last like the past videos and i didn't know what was going on i did all my research i asked my friends like i was like why is there so much noise all the time and on my camera there's a setting called the attenuator never heard of it this is the problem with not having a background (laughs) where you have an education because you fill in the gaps right um and uh, I turned off the attenuator. I still don't really understand what it is. Um, and all my problems were fixed. And I bought myself like new um, like mic setups and everything. So I thought it. I didn't. I thought it was my mic. Um, so, but no, it wasn't. It was a, a switch on my camera. But even my friends who had a background were like, "Yeah, I had no idea about that because it's not on my camera." So, so I, don't. So I, don't I, beat yeah. yourself up on it. <laughs> No, but like, that's the thing though, you do have to learn about these things because you might have an issue where, especially if you've got client work and your audio is bad, like, it can't be bad. (laughs) (laughs) You have to fix that. They're paying you for Um, good audio. (laughs) Right? So, um, but yeah, I I quite enjoy tech. I have to be in the right mood to watch like a techie YouTube though. It has to be something that I'm interested in right now. I can't just watch it for the sake of it. It has to be like, okay, I'm looking at audio. And then I'll watch like all the all mics, the... <laughs> like yeah, like I'll watch all the mic videos about microphones and everything. But I can't just now if I don't care about watching microphone videos because I I I've got my setup and I know what works. Um, so yeah, it's YouTube's great. Yeah, I've learned a lot. No, no, I've. I think I under I think I underplayed it at the beginning of this podcast, but now the more I think about it, yeah. I'm like yeah, I've learned a lot. <laughs> I mean, I've literally I have a. Um... A good friend who gave me like a five minute rundown on trying to shoot manual and he kind mm. of simplified it to a point where I kind of understood it, but I, you know, you just fail. You just like yeah. put it in manual mode and you just, just like absolute shockers. <laughs> and um, yeah. I went onto YouTube and I've literally in, I think it's been a space of um, like a year and a half where I've started my own business 
but it's just crazy the fact that I didn't even have that background in education or anything like that and now I'm like a photographer and I suppose that's what maybe upsets it's a nice feeling isn't it 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 is and then (laughs) it's like but it's just it just shows you that you don't need you know the structured education that people put out that you have to pay for I mean, you can get no, by. No, you don't. You don't need it. Yeah. You have to put the work in, though. Yeah. I think you really have to put the time and the, yeah, like the amount of hours I put into just fiddling with the camera and trying different things out because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and the, yeah, and I think the thing is, like I said, there are there are going to be gaps. Like there are going to be things that you you didn't know the you didn't know the settings <laughs> and you mess up and then you'll have someone who who went to university and they'll be like, hey, you need to put this switch on, and you're like oops and then you look like an idiot and you feel like an idiot but um you learn and I think that yeah there's going to be things you don't know that people who maybe had a formal education about sound design or whatever they've learned about um but if you put the time in then you will fill the gaps yeah I think that's what it feels like to me yeah yeah it's always like learning and kind of correcting because you always try and improve from your previous work like you don't want your oh, yeah. best work to have been something you've done like too long ago kind of thing. You want to kind of always oh, improve on it. Even if it's something small like the audio, improving the audio is massive. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, it's changed my life. Like now I listen back to my own voice. And I'm like, <laughs> it's so clear. <laughs> and like even using Adobe Audition or whatever, like okay. I'm, I'm still not that great with that. But yeah. like I've learned a lot and I can now clean up a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of like noise and stuff with sound which is amazing because i'm like i'm learning it's great how overpriced is the adobe suite it's pretty overpriced but i try and get the most out of it you know like i use illustrator i use after effects i use lightroom like to be fair light on its own like i use lightroom uh, cc um and been able to use it on my phone and like Sorry, I sound like an like I'm an Adobe ambassador. No, 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 um, but it's it's but true. Like, I, it's a lot of money, but I would not. I feel like I would. Every it's so nice having everything in one place. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. For me, it I, just works, and I would not change it. Adobe feels like the the Apple of like editing software. It's like it's just so yes. good. Um, yeah. at everything, you know, it's like well rounded. It covers all the bases. And then it just, like you say, the ease of use, you know, between different um, soft uh, applications just makes it so much easier than like using, for instance, like DaVinci or Final Cut and then having to try and do something and it's just much tougher. And then you kind of think the price kind of justifies it to a point, like they have a point. Yeah. They are really good. Yeah, it's kind of like one of my bills now. It's just like it goes out every month, and it's fine. And you know what? They gave me two months of like for free over COVID. Yeah. Um, which like they did that for a lot of people, um, which was really helpful. That was I was like, thank you, give me a hundred pounds, like. Um, but yeah, so I think it is it's important. I've got friends who use DaVinci though in Final Cut. And yeah. They get on fine and they're successful. Um, it's, you don't have to be, you don't have to use Adobe to be successful. No, hundred um, percent. But it's just like your workflow. You have to yeah. find what works best for you and what you want to invest in. Um, I think. Awesome. And then lastly, just your people that have kind of influenced you, um, along the journey. Are there any kind of creators that you, no pressure. 
Um, oh, it's really hard. I think I'm I'm not like an obsessive YouTube watcher. Um, so I'm just actually just going to say one person who probably has helped me most in, in regard to freelance, um, like business and like confidence. Um, Cody Wanner. Yes. If you know him. Yeah. So he doesn't really do any like outdoorsy stuff or anything like that. Um, but he talks a lot about money. He talks a lot about business. He talks a lot about success and believing in yourself and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I've learned a lot from him in regard to business. And I think that that's my, like, creativity is not my weak point. Like, maybe following through on my ideas is a weak point. But, like, but, the you know. The business got, side. If you split, and... Yeah. If you, yeah, if you split freelance into two parts, like, creativity and business, yeah. like, business is, like, way down. Um, so, yeah, if I was to actually recommend anyone um, for that side of things, it would be him. Because he he just says it and he, he has like, he'll be like, he has videos on how to pitch to clients. Yeah. Like, and I think that that, I think a lot of people, like you said, can be competitive and secretive, um, about their techniques. Um, and that, that upsets me because I'm like, don't be secretive people. Like if you've got something to say, like teach other people, um, if you want to anyway, not yeah. like, you, you don't have an obligation to, but, um, he he goes out of his way to try and help other people build their businesses um when it comes to videography so yeah i would i'm gonna just keep it short and sweet and have that one name yeah cody oh oh i'm sorry i'm gonna add one more person (laughs) (laughs) uh matt Vella. okay um i listen to his podcast like i'm running out of episodes now every time i take my dog for a walk podcast is in uh, over lockdown and i watch nearly nearly all of his videos sometimes if it's just like about meal prep or whatever I'm like, yeah nah. um <laughs> but like other things you know he's been great and you know it'd be nice i wish i'd have said a woman but i actually don't have i don't watch that many people on youtube um so and matt and cody are the two that i do watch um but if anyone listening to this podcast wants to suggest any outdoors videography um like women i would love to know because there are lots of amazing women on youtube um but i still i don't know any like adventure photographer ones yeah most of them are kind of in the commercial um you know like they're videographers and photographers yeah and i follow a lot of them actually but they you know they do the the jobs of the indoors <laughs> put it that yeah way. yeah they, the ind- they, <laughs> indoors. yeah exactly yeah yeah they don't um, really do i i mean i haven't come across besides you um someone who's kind of out there um, yeah and i would like to see someone who's like more along in that journey yeah um it would be nice to see and and to learn from them but i mean maybe that person exists but they just don't have a huge platform yeah so like so if anyone knows <laughs> then please send it over to me (laughs) um yeah that's yeah and uh, (laughs) i said last question but this will be the last question being a female creator in especially in the space like you say it's um underrepresented um what has that been like for you um i personally haven't seen any like prejudice or anything like that 
Um, I recognise that maybe we're un underrepresented, but then it, <laughs> the outdoor space is a space that's dominated by like white men. So it's not just being a woman. It's kind of like it's underrepresented in a whole variety of yeah. ways. Like, you know, people um, of different skin colours, of, you know, different genders or like anything like that. Like it's just underrepresented in general. Um, yeah, but saying that I haven't necessarily, I don't feel like I've been, I've not got jobs for those reasons. I think the only thing is that I feel like I don't have anyone to look up to who I can relate to. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. But, but like I said, maybe they just don't exist on it and have a huge platform and that's why I haven't found them. Um, but I think this is a problem not just like for women. It's a problem for a lot of people that they don't have someone that they can look to and say, well, okay, I can really relate to that person yeah. because of X, Y, Z. And I want to follow them because of that reason. Because, yeah, I do like Matt and Cody are great and I've learned a lot from them. Uh, but there's a lot of ways I can't relate to them. So um, it would be nice to have more more people who maybe are in a mentor position, um, even if it's just on YouTube, you know, that they don't actually talk to me, um, <laughs> that I can relate to. I think that's yeah. the only thing. Um, but I recognise that maybe maybe there is discrimination that I don't see, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. But I know there is discrimination out there against, like, women and um, minority groups. Like, there is um, there's definitely discrimination. Um, I just feel like I'm still in a privileged position. So I haven't seen that discrimination against myself. Awesome. Sorry, that was a proper ramble. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. No, no, no. Perfect. <laughs> That's exactly because um, it was just this year where I worked on the female side of golf. And mm -hmm. it was when, I mean, I knew there was a big gap in women in sports in general, but... Uh, once you get thrown into the actual practical side and you see it from the inside out, then you just see how big the gap is. So it's always just good to kind of gauge, you know, an experience from that point of view. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the wage gap in yeah. really everything is, Ridiculous. especially in sports. I yeah. think the, the wage gap in sports is massive, especially like pro sports. Well, the um, thing is, like, the, the wage amount is ridiculous to begin with. So it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, let's say females are getting paid what most people think athletes should be getting paid. And then you get men who are getting paid a ridiculous amount on top of that. And then it just makes that gap look even more kind of yeah ridiculous. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So that... Whereas I think free, yeah. Can, can I say one thing? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Sorry. No. <laughs> just in just in regard to wages, um, obviously there's a huge problem in every industry, in the freelance industry, knowing what to uh, pitch. Yes. But I think in general, um, women tend to underestimate themselves a bit more. This is for every, everywhere, but especially freelance. Um, so they might pitch lower, in that way, whereas maybe men might think, "Hey, I'm worth this." I'm going to, they tend to overpitch. I think there's a lots of research that says that men tend to kind of say, I want this amount of money and they'll get it. And then women will be like, they'll settle. Um, so maybe not as confident or whatever. Obviously this is a generalization. So I think that, that to be, to recognize that that is, um, that's a problem, but I don't know about other countries, but I know in the UK, there is a database, a freelance database um, where everyone's put in how much their rates are and how much they charge. So you can start, and how many years of experience they've had. 
So it's it would be good to actually see if you are about if you're new to the world and you want to pitch and to actually look at something like that. So you know that if you're either too low or too high or in regard to your experience and it's nothing to do with your gender. Um, so that's just a tip. Is that how you kind of built your on your website? I saw I think your daily rate is like an estimate is three fifty. Yes, that's actually quite a new page that uh, I, I didn't have a price. Uh, I had pricing on my website for a really long time because I think there's a divide uh, between freelance. Some freelancers say don't have prices and others say do. And so I thought I'll put some obviously like price, like a day rate of 350. Like how long is a day? Is that eight hours? Is it 14 hours or like whatever? <laughs> and also like photography, I charge more for videography than I would for photography, obviously. So there's like there's a lot of variables in there, but I mean I still I still don't know if I should have my day my my rates on there. I think I'm just gonna keep it on there for a while. And see, I like I I yeah I put it on LinkedIn and I actually asked some people what their thoughts were and there was a guy who hires photographers who replied, and he said that he he thinks it's a good idea if you have an idea of your rates because when he's doing his research to find photographers for a project, then he can and he has a budget he can see that you've got your prices and he can either di- he can either discount you straight away or he can put you in the list of like okay let's consider this person but if you don't have your rates then you might get discounted straight away yeah. because they just don't know it's like such um, it's such a tough one to kind of because and like you said there is that divide i mean i don't on my website i don't have pricing um just because you don't want to get caught up in a situation where for instance it's a a high um paying clients who's looking and they look at you and they're just like yeah they think you're oh yeah they can't be very good exactly there's like so many ways it can go it's either like oh this is super cheap you'll take advantage of him or he's cheap he's not as good i mean even if you have your work there i mean that price does kind of talk you know a a different language to different people so it's always like you know just trying to navigate as to where when is the right time? So, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy. Um, I mean, there's definitely a, a psych- psychological science to it that obviously hasn't been there published. <laughs> no, and like, yeah, I still don't really. I don't know what's the what the right thing is to do or not. I'm I'm keeping the page up. I think maybe for like a year or so or six months, and then see if there's been any kind of difference in my traffic of my website and things like that. And People, not that I look at my website yeah. clicks very much because I'm lazy. Um, but I don't know. I'll I'll see. I don't have any advice to give on that because I don't know what the best thing is to do. Yeah. But, um, that's what I'm doing at the moment, just to just to test it. Yeah, just to see if it picks up. Maybe you'll get a few more inquiries. Then you can see that you know this is actually something that you should carry on doing. But it's like I had this um, conversation with a very well. Um, recognized photographer here in South Africa and he told me he's like listen if you want to build a business stop being the one behind the camera and I was like thinking to myself that's kind of like against the whole you know you are creative you want to be behind the camera but he was like if you know he I think he's like 50 years old somewhere around there and he said listen you got to employ people get them to work under you and you just kind of, I don't want to make it sound like you just collect money, but you, you the businessman for the photography business, for instance. 
So you're not actually doing everything. You're just doing certain parts of it. So it's either you hire a businessman to handle your business side and then you do the creative or the other way around. But yeah, you was basically saying if you don't want to burn out, kind of don't be behind the camera all the time. And I was just like, it was kind of tough to hear that. Cause I, was just... I actually, uh, I, you know what? I agree. I agree with that to a point. Um, I actually recently reached out to find a partner. Okay. Because I, I, because the business side is so difficult for me. But also I felt like maybe if I partnered up with someone, then I would feel more confident pitching because I'm also pitching someone else. I'm not just saying, hey, look at me, I'm amazing. I'd be like, hey, look at this work that's collective. Um, it's amazing. Um, but I think that there's a good point to that in, in regard to, I've realized that I actually quite prefer being, doing the directing and the producing. Um, and like, I do actually love shooting, but it's my least favorite thing to do out of the three. And I think I would actually much prefer to go down the director's route in the, like, in the future. So if I was to work with a team, yeah, like not necessarily a team under me, but like, um, I'd love to in the future, like start to work with other people, um, and build like a collective. Um, so, oh, I've got a project. Why don't we work with these two people? Or it's a project. Let's work with these three people. Um, and do more of the directing side. Um, so I think there is a there is kind of playing to your strengths, yeah. but you have to try everything first, right? To know what you enjoy the most and to know what you're best at. Um, so, yeah, but I, I'd never have a production business. Like, I thought about it and then I was like, like, it just, it sounds like so much work. Like, to have people who are your employees. <laughs> I mean, that's pressure on its own. Too it's like much, anxiety. Yeah, so much pressure. Yeah, especially imagine in these yeah. circumstances now. Like, oh, no thanks. Um, and again, that you hinder your freedom when it comes, when it, when it, that happens, right? You're tying yourself. Exactly. Now you've business. got, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're tying yourself to people so, and you're just like, oh, can't let them down. Right. Yeah, which is, yeah. I was about to say, which is why I think a co- more of a collective like network of people who you can work with might be a much better idea where you're all freelancers. But if you have a project that takes five people, then you can all come together um, and do it. But I think that's going to be a long way off for me um, until I get projects co- that can pay enough, that can pay five people. Well, exactly. That's the thing. It's like um, there's so many jobs I've done where it would be amazing to have another shooter or another you know an editor or something like that but the point is they don't pay enough for me to then pay someone else you know what i mean so it's like and it would almost be insulting to approach someone else and say listen you know this is the price this is what i can give you because you understand the value of the work and then like Mm -hmm. yeah it just doesn't make sense i think especially here in south africa um you obviously get like the big work the big clients with the big paychecks but for the smaller work to have a second shooter or to have an editor it's just it's not yeah you just you don't get paid enough i think that's the thing i actually had a second shooter on one of my shoots uh, a couple of months ago um and it was actually a friend of mine and I, I basically said to him, I was like, look, I can pay you, I think it was like a third of how much the project yeah. was or a quarter. Because um, he would just shoot, obviously. I and then you edit, else. yeah. I do everything. But I was just like, I totally understand if you want to say no, you can say no. I'm not going to be offended. Um, but he, he actually did it because he thought, oh, well, this would be good 
uh, for my portfolio. And also we wanted to see what it would be like to work together um, to see if it would work in the future. And it did. Um, but like, it meant that I had to take a big cut and like, I didn't make much money off the project either. Um, and I did actually charge them more for a second shoot. I was like, I'm bringing on a second shoot. Can I charge you? That's a little bit more. Um, yeah, which is, they were, they were good and they did. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, you, you end up suffering a bit because yeah. you brought someone else in and yeah, I don't think there's many projects where I'd be able to do that. And to be fair, I did the same with him though. He brought me on for a project. Okay. Um, and then I was like, yeah, okay, I'll take that much. It wasn't that, it wasn't that much, but again, it was doing him. Yeah, a exactly. It's kind of was, like a, uh, but like you say, it's like the collective aspect, you know, it was, you saw the value in him helping you and you helping him. And I mean, it's exactly. But as you get more experience, you can't just do that. No, exactly. Unless it's a super, pa- unless it's a super passion project, yeah. you know. And like, there's some projects that I um, I know that I might lose money on, like if it's a personal film, um, and I'm okay with that because it might be something to do with the environment, something that I'm really passionate about, um, you know, or someone's story who I'm like, this story needs to be told, and I'm gonna tell it, and maybe I'll lose money, it's like, on fuel costs or whatever, um, but. I want to tell it and I think that sometimes you have to make those decisions um with personal projects so and then hopefully you'll get some paid <laughs> stuff which will make up for it <laughs> oh that's literally oh. like the the life of a freelancer is just hoping like yes <laughs> just hoping hoping you'll scrape by <laughs> Uh, hopefully it won't be always like this though I think like you so you said you started your business two years ago um this is going to be the second year in September. Second year. Yeah. So, yeah, you know what? We're both, like, super fresh. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, like, we have this conversation in five years' time or ten years' time, and we're just like, <laughs> look how well it's... I mean, we might be having exactly the same conversation. We're like, yeah, it's still scraping by. Um, or we might, you know, we might have figured out a few things yeah. along the way. So, hopefully. No, thanks for making some time um oh it's fine i've had such a nice time i feel like it's such a good way to start a monday like start the week with a a creative conversation about i feel really inspired now (laughs) it's good and um yeah i really appreciate you making the time and i think um this will be very informative like the main thing i always say with this is it's kind of like what you said about people not revealing their secrets or something like that so it's along the lines of just giving the guidance because someone else is you know going through the phase of trying to figure out what to do and you know this could help them in in some way or form so i'm sure someone out there someone out there appreciates it i appreciate it so thank you yeah well thank you for having me on and asking me some really interesting questions my brain is like right now firing all cylinders.